0: Uh, Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Hi. Hey, what's up? How's it going? All right. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm not too bad. I just wanted to let you know that I have a backup gentleman who's uh, listening in, a long-time listener, actually employee. And uh, he's here to to do a backup recording because I'm using a new computer, so I want to make sure that it records (laughs) kind of thing. So I hope you don't mind. No, that's all right. Okay, well... So you have this um, this character, um, we'll call him Nihil, right, this sort of aspect of yourself yeah. that is, um, well, sort of fittingly nihilistic compared to the name. That's uh, Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Basically, it was my uh, main way of thinking or main modus of operandi when I was... Uh, for a For a long time, and uh it's a character that I haven't really quite i didn't really think that it was a separate character or anything different from what was probably my own opinion um well, I guess until I started listening to a lot of your podcasts
1: right and what's your um sort of understanding of the approach that I take uh with regards to this? Just want to make sure that we're on the same page or or starting from the same premises
2: um, more or less. The way that I interpreted it was that it was kind of uh, the 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 kind of more malevolent voice, I guess, that, I, that or these kind of harsher uh, tones that I had uh, were more kind of imprinted by um, a kind of more uh, abusive family life. Uh, less so something that I just came up with my own um, uh, from more or less like when we're younger we're not going to just come up with i guess these more kind of i guess darker thoughts or uh more uh uh i i guess uh vicious thoughts especially inward toward ourselves i don't think anyone's born wanting to attack themselves um and my i guess my my interpretation of it was that um that it was kind of uh more or less you were saying that it was more imprinted from your parents, imprinted from their hostility or things that they weren't able to, uh, to deal with. I, I don't know if that's a completely correct interpretation, but that was my interpretation.
1: Oh, that's, that's damn good. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just yeah, touch that up a tad, uh, my general approach or my experience or understanding is that when you are provoked into situations where you will be experiencing a strong emotion, but you are never allowed to, to express or act on that emotion... Then the um, that emotion kind of gets lodged within us, you know, like something that we can't digest or throw up or crap out kind of thing. So if you're in a situation where you are attacked, then you're going to feel fear and you're going to feel anger, and like yeah. from your parents. And then if you are not allowed to either express that fear uh, and or anger or act on it, then what happens is uh, it just gets kind of lodged and messed up within you. And sort of takes on a life of its own, if that makes sense. And that's something that we need to reintegrate when we get to a safer place in life.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: Not quite as eloquently in my, but in my mind, but yeah, yeah, more or less I agree. What you mean probably is like with less rambling and flourishing language. <laughs> so, no. but this, this character has a, uh, like it scares you, right? Because you, you, you tell, tell yeah. me that you fear, uh, or the fear that you feel about this, this person.
2: Well, the way that he operates is it's it's all about um, – well, I guess I should probably talk about some of the other things that I've been talking about on the board. But I had this thing once I kind of realized Christianity was kind of ridiculous. I kind of drifted into this um, new idea of you know complete rebellion and complete rebellion being the direct opposite of Christianity, which was this kind of Satanist tent, um, which was more of an amoral doctrine built on um, kind of secular – um i i ideas um but more negative so and completely amoral that you know just do whatever feels good blah 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 um yeah it's sort of a hedonism mis- right like there there's yeah. judgment um uh,
1: outside yourself and therefore whatever gives you pleasure is the good so to speak right
2: yeah yeah it's kind of a bastardized epicureanism and uh and then they, I think they take the kind of will to power, the same thing that you would find in like, uh, um, I guess Nietzsche a little bit, and they would they would talk about that a lot. But it was, but more or less, it was kind of like, you know, it, it 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 helped me flip the coin of Christianity on 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 my mind. So uh, I became more. It was, I guess, it was more abrasive. You know, if if people instead of doing the whole forgiveness thing or the whole, uh, you know, I'm I. Uh, uh, I'm sorry for blah blah blah. Or someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Their their doctrine was like, well, if someone hits you, you know, you know, hit them back and with you know more, <laughs> more, uh, and with more force, so that the next time they try they try something, they'll think about it or something like that. Um, if not necessarily physically, but more mentally. But basically, the way that he operates is kind of like you go after what you want, world worldly desires based on. Just like, I guess you could say, just based on uh, lust and um, and uh, things that feel good in the moment. Um, uh, this kind of, qu- um, this quick satisfaction or, as you say, short-term gains um, within uh, the, usually within, uh, um, you know, my lifetime. And I spent a lot of time doing that. And then after that, there's this distaste for humanity because you feel that you're only, you're only... You feel parasitical at the same point, but at uh, at the other token, you know that other people around you are doing the same kind of thing like they're only taking they're only coming in to take stuff from you and and the only reason why they're friendly to you is to take things from you and um they they kind of like okay, I will you know dangle the carrot in front of you, but eventually I will you know need you for something I'll have to take something from you and um Certainly, like, I had a relationship where I was with this girl, and uh, um, she was kind of into this whole, I guess, goth scene or whatever. And at the time, I had found her very attractive and interesting, and she was more attractive than most girls that I would have thought in the past I would have been able to uh, uh, be with. So uh, I adopted this kind of more satanic doctrine and ideals, and that, I guess, in some way boosted my confidence to be able to approach her. And finding out that later on in the relationship she was really kind of just using me because I was at the age I was of legal drinking age, and she was just like a year away or maybe two years away, and she was kind of and when I would hang out with her, she'd ask me if I could bring her booze or you know rent videos and stuff like that, and it was kind of like not necessarily interested in in me per se as a person because we'd hang out and we'd talk. But every now and then she'd just pick up the phone and start talking to a friend for another 30 minutes, and I'm, like, standing there. And But she was very attractive, and by a lot of other people's standards was very attractive. So the whole thing was just, I guess, this kind of acquiring of something that, you know, not for the sake of, you know, a true virtue, but just for the sake of trying to grab someone for, um, uh, I guess, to make yourself feel better or for the pleasure of the mo- moment or short-term gains of having a trophy girlfriend. Um, and I guess that, that kind of is what um he he did in in that main in that main part of my life and then it was more and
1: sorry and then for sure that i understand the he here is this nile aspect of yourself. yeah okay sorry yeah
2: and um then after that it's um after realizing that this relationship was really not um working out and, and it, eventually what happened is she just Broke up with me because obviously I wasn't able to continue to provide. She got drinking age, and you know I wasn't I wasn't of any use anymore, so I was kind of off with that. So after that, um, basically the inward uh, turned more to like kind of this uh, I guess psychotic self destruction in the fact that I started cutting at a certain period just because um, I, I, he he doesn't I guess the feeling that most people aren't there to be you know supportive or caring or anything that they really only want to take something for you is kind of more like um you wanting to just i don't know uh break away i guess uh break away from that and realize that the world in of itself is just that humanity in of itself is just this kind of self destroying force that's never gonna correct itself so more or less you it's like why bother continuing to try to uh i guess um, try to communicate and be open with people and i, I tried a lot of times with uh, different relationships to be more open with people i met another girl who was into um death metal when i was uh, i was also into black metal and death metal at the same time which is uh, very heavy very aggressive um dealing with a lot of hate issues um with humanity and everything and so i get into a relationship with her and um if she already has a boyfriend so we're just hanging out doing whatever but her like myself we're kind of into this kind of hating humanity so i became it became more and more pronounced my dis, my disgust for just the way that life works the way that people think and um i became more like uh wanting i guess more or less wanted to uh, uh i guess not deal with Humanity, not deal with society, and also the more the voices come in because of the way they uh, I view my family because there was always there was always something wrong with me. I was always uh, the uh, the kid that was always in trouble, being the first one. Um, parents were sh- were like harshly religious, so there was always something wrong with me uh, there. I would you know just s- stealing cookies and lying about it was kind of like punishable by beating or something like that, you know, it'd be like spanking for just lying or sneaking television or something like that. Um, and uh, I guess um, on top of that, I'm um, uh, trying to see if I have everything in there yet. Um, but there was kind of that distaste for the family distaste for other people not understanding who I was. And also the, the second edition Um, to being disenfranchised, feeling disenfranchised from society, not only because I had a very minority of a minority thought uh, life of like, I was into more of the darker alternatives, uh, personalities and subcultures of society, but at the same time, um, also feeling that I was ousted. This was also built a lot by my father, but feeling ousted because I was a minority, feeling that I was kind of like, you know, less than, less than, less than subhuman because my, my, even my family wasn't very, uh, wasn't very comforting about that. And at one point, I believe I got really kind of disgusted, um, when, uh, my parents, they had raised me a lot in uh a lot of, uh, I guess what you would call, or what they would call, um, predominantly, uh, up, upper class or, uh, mid upper class, uh, white neighborhoods. And, then once I reached uh, a certain age when I was in about high school, um, we sat down at the dinner table. This is something I, I really will never forget. Um, my my parents were just uh, – including my sister was sitting there and I have a younger sister. Um, but uh, they sat there and they were telling me like I was uh, – they was like, well, Ty, you, you don't quite you know, fit in with uh, – the, the reason why you don't quite fit in and the reason why you don't quite find many people is because, well, y- you act white. And, and my sister goes, yeah, you're kind of – an my little sister, who they pretty much indoctrinated by that point, she was fairly – I don't think she – she has later apologized for her words. But yet, <laughs> earlier she said, yeah, you're an Oreo. And um, so I kind of felt ousted on my family side. I felt ousted on the outside of
1: society. I felt right, ousted. I wanted to interrupt so that people can understand what that means, right? That, that just means yeah. you're black on the outside, but you're acting white on the inside, right? And that's considered it, a real slur, right, in the black community? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, and so I felt ousted on – well, I still feel kind of ousted on all sides. And this kind of disgust and this kind of just more or less sickness of seeing all these – seeing everyone just differentiate people on the basis of – of I don't know, just – just because of a different personality trait, because I, 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 I've acquired something that they thought was supposedly supposed to be the most productive thing for me. They said, well, we raised you in these neighborhoods because we thought that this would make you a better person. It would be a safer neighborhood, blah, 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 blah. And now you're going to tease me and make fun of me because I turned out the way you th- were trying to make me that way? I I don't – so that that in itself irritated me. So I got disgusted with them. Disgusted with society with the way it treated me because even though I tried to fit in and I tried to do the whole you know even though I was into metal and I was into black metal and I was into like goth music and stuff like that, I always had this kind of feeling that I, and really just most places I go I kind of feel this feeling of not fitting in and either for one reason or another I feel like I'm excluded so and it just kind of it kind of made. We wanted to, I guess, be more violent inwardly because it was just like, why bother? Why are you fighting this so hard? They obviously don't care. They obviously don't give a crap. There's, you know, blah blah blah. blah. But yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Can you just tell me a little bit about uh, the the history that you had uh, in terms of religion?
2: Um. Well, uh, the way it first started out was um, we used to go to churches in Michigan. Um, we used to be in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and um, these were predominantly uh, white churches with a few minorities thrown in. And um, my parents, would we would go there, and I was perfectly fine there. I didn't know anything about religion at that point. I was just kind of like, oh, I'm a kid. I go here. There are more kids. We go. We play. Who cares about the whole religion part? And then um, predominantly um, it, it got a little bit more forceful as I got a little bit older – And my parents, for some reason, I guess, were not – were feeling disenfranchised from the churches that they were going to and started dragging me to all-black churches, Um, which was a concept I – when I first went there, I still didn't understand. Um, But um, they would basically take me there and it was kind of this um, creation of this – I I guess my dad's kind of more racist views in my opinion – And the culmination of religion and being indoctrinated into believing, you know, being – you needed to have this kind of strong religious moral background and um, I guess – and kind of pulling me into something that to me at the time when they pulled me in there, I kind of felt foreign. Um, How it took place in the home was more of just um, lying – lying at any cost was definitely like wrong and – for that price you would get my parents did the whole spanking thing, they'd like get a belt and they'd beat you and um then uh, uh other other times um if you didn't go to church there was like you were gonna be punished by some way. You could you had to go to church no matter what. Um there was we'd have like Bible studies at home. It was a constant, constant indo- I wasn't allowed to watch certain T V shows, wasn't allowed to um Uh, go to certain functions. Um, it was really kind of, I guess, isolating in a way. Um, and the, the, the excuse was, you know, well, my other friends get to do this and they were like, well, we're not like your other, we're not like your other friend's parents. And, uh, so it was kind of very, very much kind of, you believe this. Do you believe this? Um, well, not do you, but you will believe this. Blah blah blah. And if you don't, well, you're going to go to hell. And I'm going to use every intelligent trick in the book to try to manipulate your mind into feeling guilty about not believing in this and how you're going to go to hell. And it wasn't until probably I was in my 17 or 18 when I started. You know, I, I became extremely religious. Like I have to say that the what they were doing worked. Um, as I became extremely religious and extremely into. Um, into God, and, um, I started to, uh, you know, the, the kids, uh, school, I was joining, like, with these, um, the Christian, little Christian clubs at school, and, um, I was trying to, I guess, proselytize to some of the other kids, um, but what kind of, um, woke me out of it, I guess you could say, was, um, when I was talking to, uh, when I was talking to those kids, when I was uh, talking to the kids, and I, I started hanging out with them a little bit and um, predominantly these were like the, I wouldn't tell my parents obviously, but uh, these were predominantly like the stoners or the uh, goth people or the, you know, the uh, questionable human beings. So I, I would hang out with them and I'd realized that um, there really wasn't anything inherently evil about them other than the fact that they just didn't believe in god and weren't interested in, in in any of that other stuff they weren't you know inherently as horrible as the bible talks about other other um about how other people are outside of christianity um also another thing um i f- i think i like got so deep into it i fasted for about uh um at least a week and um which means i drank nothing but tea and gatorade and didn't eat any food Hello. and
1: uh, I just and, sorry. When you say deep into it, do you mean deep into Christianity or the God stuff? I yeah, Christianity. Uh,
2: Christi- Christianity. Hey, okay, sorry. Go on. And uh, and so I I I kind of fasted a lot, and uh, I, well, I fasted for about a week, and um, started to read the Bible uh, like a whole a whole lot, and I just sat down and went through the whole thing, and by the end of it, ironically, uh, or I guess say incidentally, um, I. Kind of felt like God was a giant prick, um, and after after realizing that, I was kind of like, um, I was like, well, no matter what I do, I'm going to be wrong because no matter what action, whatever normal action that comes out of my body, there's no possible way for me to be this Christ-like human being. And I was just kind of like, well, this this doesn't work. I mean, well, you know, you know what? I, I, so my first intonation was. Okay, well, I'll I'll give God his due, blah 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 blah. But um, you know what? I, I, just send me to hell anyway, because I'm not going to be able to live my life this way at all. And yeah, from I mean, from then I mean, on, technically, oh,
1: God is not a giant prick because that's actually an insult to giant pricks. God is an infinite prick, which is a whole. <laughs> uh, I'm with you there, but uh, please
0: go on.
2: <laughs> but um, so after that, it was kind of like, well. You know what? I, and I still believed that there was a God at this point, but I just believed he was a prick. So I, I, I was kind of like, well, you know, my thing, my dialogue to God was like this. It's like, you know what? I, I'm asking you to destroy me. You know, my thing was like, I, I obviously can't do anything good. I'm obviously not a good person. Just, just get rid of me. And and if you don't get rid of me, then by God, I'm coming after you. And so, um. So after that, I decided to, uh, I kind of switched from there, and um, I kind of did the whole Satanism thing. And that kind of was the whole God didn't exist. I didn't really have any, uh, it was kind of just like this contrary fight to that. and
1: um, Now, and I'm sorry, after to, that, uh, I just want to
2: mm-hmm. make sure that, uh, that uh, we, we get to the
1: topic, and this is really, really great, what you've been telling me. But I just mm-hmm. I just want to start probing, if you don't mind, the, w- where it is that you think about this stuff before we get to this character of yours. Is, is that okay? okay? Okay. Now, you do realize this all has nothing to do with God, right? Yeah. So what's, uh, in, in your mind or for, from your approach, um, w- w- what is this emotional investment, uh, w- what is it really to do with?
2: <sighs> well, to me it feels like I don't know, I, I kind of feel like if I were to look backwards and, and pay attention to what was going on in my family, I kind of feel like maybe this was feelings that I was getting from um, my, my my parents, kind of just this these feelings of inadequacy, because I could never really uh, come up to their standards, and I could never actually, uh, I guess... Um, I guess never really be a, you know, good person in, in, in their mind. I, I don't know. I, that's kind of the way that I, that I see it. It was more these kind of feelings of inadequacy that were kind of enforced by, by, by my parents.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, your level of insight is fantastic. I just wanted to, to sort of gauge that to, to get a sense of where you were, just to analogize it uh, so that it sort of, we can, we can encapsulate it, in, at least in this yeah. conversation, it sort of runs a little like this, in, in my opinion. If, if my mom and my dad tell me that leprechauns are trying to kill me, and if I put yeah. my foot wrong or disobey them once, then leprechauns are going to strangle me in my sleep. Now, when I finally realize that there is no such thing as a leprechauns, I'm going to be enraged, right? Yeah. But not at
2: leprechauns,
1: because they don't exist, right? <laughs> right. So who am I going to be enraged
2: at? My, my parents. Exactly. Right? So, the- then,
1: so all of this stuff uh, that, that you think is, or at least that you describe as being related to some sort of God or deity or Zeus or Yahweh or whatever, I mean, it's all nonsense as far as there is no such thing as those things. So when you're told a lie, when you stop believing that lie, you are angry simply at having been told a lie, right? Yeah. Especially since your parents, as you said earlier, talk about truth as and not lying as a primary moral goal right yeah i got beat a lot of times for not telling the truth (laughs) now tell me why it is if you don't mind and this is i think the third or fourth time that you've done this sort of in this conversation that Mm -hmm. you begin to giggle when you talk about being assaulted as a child i mean Um... kind of counterintuitive to me if that makes sense
2: Yeah, it, well, I kind of just, when every time I would get, every time I would get beaten, it's just kind of, I don't know, it, I don't know, it feels like it's a defense mechanism to not have to feel the pain that I was given, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah, I was beaten. Yeah, everybody gets beaten by their parents. Uh, just like, it's kind of just like this way of going, yeah, I guess that's kind of what's happening. Um, and do, do you yeah, – I don't know. Sorry to interrupt, but do you understand the relationship,
1: which is complex, but do you understand the relationship between laughing at your pain and your pain manifesting itself as this Nihil character? Mm,
2: no, not, not really.
1: Okay, well, mm. if you genuinely were terrified at being assaulted by your protectors as a child, lied to, bullied, manipulated, controlled, humiliated, and so on, which was all terrifying and horrifying and monstrous, right? hmm If you laugh at that pain, clearly the pain doesn't go away, right? Yeah. But you reject the pain and you laugh at the pain, which means... That you are inhabiting, I'm not saying that you're abusive, but you are inhabiting the role of an abuser if you laugh at your own pain. Because a sadist takes, like, giggles when people are hurt, right? Yeah. And this doesn't mean that you're a sadist or anything like that. But you take on the role of an abuser to yourself when you laugh at your own legitimate and horrifying pain, right? Yeah. I mean, you went through some seriously scary shit, right? Yeah, yeah. And seriously crazy-making shit, too, right? Because it wasn't just like you had parents who had, you know, got drunk and punched you because they were, you know, whatever, right? But this was systematic, cult-like indoctrination and control, right? Yeah. And this is cold-ass, calculated stuff, right? Yep. So that's kind of, in my view, this kind of stone evil, right? I mean, to some degree, we can almost forgive the mere angry hedonist who just gets mad and and yells at someone or whatever, right? But this is Mm -hmm. controlled, manipulated, consistent, and persistent indoctrination, right? Yeah. So that's some, you know, frankly badass stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you laugh at your own pain, it doesn't serve you, right? Right. To laugh at you, yeah. that which genuinely hurts you, right? Yeah. So who does it serve? The parents. Right. So if you become your parents to yourself, then your pain cannot be integrated as part of your personality. It cannot inform your decisions, and your pain will take vengeance upon you in the form of self-destructive behavior. Hmm. It doesn't go away, right? Doesn't Just because you laugh at it, uh, and minimize it and pretend that it's not a big deal and pretend like it's funny, the pain doesn't go away, but it comes back and it bites you in the ass with other kinds of behavior that's kind of out of your control, right? Like the cutting, uh, like the nihilism and so on. Yeah. And, of course, it yeah. is not a solution, though I fully understand the the journey, I think, right? I mean, if I can be so bold as to say yeah. But it's not a solution when you have been controlled and used and manipulated and exploited by your parents. It is not a solution that is fundamentally against that evil to say, I am now going to control, manipulate, and exploit other people, right? Yeah. Does, does this make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because it hasn't worked, right? Yeah. Right? It, yeah. it hasn't gotten you out of a cycle of unhappiness, right? No. And so, if I can just go on for a minute or two more. Just, by the way, since I'm using a new computer, is the sound coming through okay?
2: Yeah, a couple times you you kind of break up a little bit and it gets a little distorted. But, yeah, most of the, most of the time you're clear. Okay, good. Well, we'll try and live with that. Um, so, what happened,
1: in my opinion, is something like this. Um, your parents owned this thing called morality... Uh, soulfulness, uh, ethics, virtue, higher calling, whatever it is, they owned that as as a uh, definition in your mind, and they used that in a negative and horrifying, horrible, and destructive manner to control and humiliate and abuse you and so when you got older, you decided to fight their ownership of morality. Not by questioning the root of that morality, but by acting in opposition to their definition.
2: Exactly. Right? Yeah.
1: If their definition of morality is forgiveness and self-abasement, then I'm not going to forgive, but rather be aggressive, and I'm not going to self-abase, but rather exploit others, right? Exactly. If their definition of virtue is being a lamb, I will be a lion, right? Exactly. Right. And that doesn't work, right? Right, because they still own the the definition of morality. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, they they yeah. set this world where you are either an exploiter or you're exploited, right? Yeah, and you say, "Well, fuck that! I'm not going to be exploited, so I'm going to be an exploiter." But that falls into the trap, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and also what it does, of course, is that it erodes your respect for yourself and for other people to look at them as hypocritical, shallow, materialistic self-feeders, gluttony feeders on stimuli, right? Yeah. that's That's not much of a higher calling, right? That's not much of a, you know, there's beauty, truth, and power, and wonder in the human soul, right?
2: Exactly, yeah
1: because they owned the definition of ethics and the soul and the higher calling you no longer believed in that so you threw the whole damn thing out right yeah does that does that sort of ring ring true at all or make sense
2: yeah definitely definitely
1: and as you were pursuing that um this this nihilistic approach to things if my parents do not have virtue then there is no
2: such thing as virtue
1: right that's the that's the pit we yeah. all too many of them, I was a more, Sorry, go yeah,
2: ahead. I was I was a moral relativist for a long, long time. So I I even wrote a paper on the they had this paper we we're supposed to write about what do we believe is bullshit called a bullshit paper, and I said uh, the idea of right and wrong or morals.
1: Well, and to be a, a relativist is to say that there is no such thing as ethics, right? There is no such thing, and therefore, yeah. in the Nietzschean view, ethics are that which is invented by the weak to control the strong, right?
2: Exactly. Right.
1: Right. So you developed as a reaction to an exploitive moral system a hatred of ethics because ethics is that which is invented to control and humiliate the strong by the weak, right? Yeah. So I guess when you ran into what it is that I'm talking about, there is a, I mean, certainly I think there's a kind of toughness to what we do in this conversation because I sure as hell don't tell people to lie down and take it, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But at the same time, um, so we, when we attempt to redefine ethics from the root up and, and we attempt to, you might, I don't know if you've read On Truth, but this would be a good book for you to read as far as that goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I read it.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. I have uh, also, okay, I have UPBN and RTR, so.
0: Oh,
1: good stuff. Okay, good. And I can, I can fast forward relatively quickly then. <laughs> so um, so then um, the, the question then becomes, how do you develop something that is higher? but you kind of allergic to that. So if you look at a higher ethical goal in your life, your defenses kick in like the moment that ethics come up you're like oh fuck. Here comes the exploitation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of barred off from the the beauty and the, the 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 wonder of of that kind of stuff because as you approach it this wall of fire comes up, right called if you keep going you're going to either you're going to be exploited, right?
2: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Okay, so uh, with that in mind, the um, the the characters that I talk about in this ecosystem idea—the idea that we are a um, an ecosystem of different character traits, all of which are required for healthy functioning—the one flaw that these characters have within us, they always are founded on one logical flaw, and sometimes it could be really hard to figure out what it is because they're damn good. They're damn convincing, right? Yeah. So we can yeah. take this number of ways if you want. What I think would be the most useful would be for me to cross-examine this Nihil character if you can roleplay and find out where his logical flaw is. I, I, I,
2: I believe I can do that.
1: All right, so uh, we'll uh, we'll give it a shot. All right. Okay, so if you can just step into, or let this character talk and and step into this mindset and give me his argument, or your argument, because he's part of you, this uh, argument uh, that he has about the world and the people in it. Uh, uh, um, Um, You know, it's kind of totally annoying. I really do apologize for this. Um, my other computer, which which doesn't distort my voice, <laughs> is has become yeah. uh, free. Can I call you
0: back in like thirty seconds? Oh uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So yeah, sorry. If you can then give me the case that nihil would make about the
1: world and ethics and people and truth.
2: Well, um, most of the world is full of people that are just out there to manipulate you, to take things from you. Most of the time when you're dealing with other people, they'll walk up to you and they'll say hello or um, they'll they'll try to be kind to you. But it's all just part of this kind of facade that they put on. Um, The virtue that people say that they have is really just kind of a a part of this – I don't know. It, it, it's more a part of this kind of system that they that helps them feed off of other people. They let's take, I guess, taking religion for example is um the way that it that it's used is basically to you know use you to make you feel as if you have um you know. You you can't exist without the preacher. You can't exist without the church. You can't live unless you have some sort of connection to this Bible. And also give all your money to us too. Um, most and 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 then it's the same thing with most um, men and, and women. I mean, men are usually they're talking to you. They're hanging out with you. They're saying you're you know I want to be your friend. I want to get to know you. But really, what they're trying to do is find someone with similar. Um, ethics or the way that they think, so that they can, you know, basically justify all the, you know, stupid ideas that they have about the world. And sometimes, like one of my past, one of the past friendships that we've had, um, usually they would uh, um, take our, uh, they they would hang out with us, not necessarily or, or or deal with us, not necessarily because of our personality or who we were, but because this person was like, oh, well, I, I hang out with you, and they literally said this to us, was that uh, they hang out with you because, um, yeah, I just need to show people that uh, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Um, or to take the opposite, um, side of it. Uh, black people hang out with, with you so that they can feel a part of this, this great unity, this, uh, this great oneness, and, um, it's not necessarily, um, because they appreciate you for who you are, because the moment we open our mouth um, and say anything that is about our personality uh, they don 't care or they find it weird or they find it different. The only real purpose that the, that they have is to justify the same prejudices and um ideals that they have of humanity so that they can pull you into some kind of collective ideal system that will drag you into you know into sub to being submissive to whatever they want you You don't get a chance to be an individual in this world, and any chances that you have to be an individual are basically taken away by uh, other people i mean they they have pre uh, societies built on stereotypes built on ways of how people are supposed to think, how you're supposed to dress how you're supposed to act. If you go against any grain line of any of those, you're considered a complete you you're considered weak or freakish or the i guess lone wolf, and they'll cast you out to the side until you die of some some <laughs> for some reason, so why try to i guess fit in with the rest of society? why try to um why try to feel any sympathy for what they're doing because they they know what they're doing they they know that they don't care about you. You of the individual, you of who you are. I mean, so maybe you're able to help and talk to a few people, and you know maybe they're they'll there to listen to you. But you know, ten to twenty years from now, no one's going to care. No one's going to care if you that you came around, or no one's going to give a crap if if you ever existed. It's not. It's it's no big. It's it's really no big deal. You, You really. You know we're basically flecks of dust on this, you know, on a on, on a giant rock that's spinning around this huge uh, <laughs> a ball of gas, and there's there's really no um there's really no point to it. There's really no point to it. And governments consistently destroy each other and kill tons of people. And if you stand up, they'll shoot you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing. You know, there's nothing you you can you can do about it you can't just walk up to them and say you, you know or protest cuz protesters they they show it on the news every time a protester goes up and says i want a better world i want a better this um what do the police do they bring out the bats and the uh the the rubber bullets and shoot it right or sometimes live ammo right into their legs um i mean you're trying to get intimacy from people. Do they really want intimacy, or do they just want someone they can cling to so they can feel like they're important to someone? And is it really you that they're after, or just someone who can tolerate their bullcrap long, <laughs> long enough until they die? I mean, what's the point? Why why open yourself up? Why why give yourself that? Why not just take what you need, survive on who you are, and do what, what you want, and take care of yourself? Because no one else is going to care. No one else is going to give a crap and you might as well you might as well just you know um follow your own goals and, and and be separate from society but use society to your advantage so to speak allow people to do things uh allow them to use their own stupidity and their own weakness and use that to your advantage so that you can better uh, help yourself through society not necessarily having to no longer protest and tell them, no, 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 I I don't like it. You know, smile, laugh, say, it's okay, it's cool, it's great. And use their own stupidity to be the anvil on top of their own head when it comes down. But you'll be fine, because you didn't give out the one last thing that you've got. And that is that is your own sense of trust and belief in yourself. And even even still, I mean, if you really like yourself, if you really care about yourself... Why would you continue to subject yourself to this pain? Enjoy it for the infinite blip of time that you have, even even if it's smaller, but enjoy all of it. And if you self-destruct, more the better, because you no longer have to deal with the rest of these assholes on this planet. I think that's pretty much about it.
0: <laughs> Speech.
1: Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk to this character as if it's this character. Uh, again, I know this is a kind of freaky shit, but just if we can He's... give it a shot be great okay. because um uh i get i think i get i think i get the logical contradiction now uh talking to this character mr Nihil, do you want me to give you the short version or the long version and what i mean by that is do you want me to tell you how you're not telling me the truth or do you want me to teach you how you're not telling me the truth give me the long
2: version molly
1: <laughs> okay so uh, you feel a lot of anger uh, towards humanity as a whole uh, exploitation, stupidity, corruption, weakness, and all these kinds of things, right? Yeah. So, would it be fair to say that you have high standards? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, we don't generally call a man unhealthy if he dies at 100, right? No, no. Save so, shit, that guy had a, had a long life, right? Yeah, yeah. So... You have standards which condemn the vast majority of human beings for their stupidity, right? Yeah. Let's say that you're completely right. I have no... Maybe you are, right? Maybe you are. I mean, look, you're a smart fellow and you've got great language skills and clearly you can see deeply and with great perceptivity into the hypocrisies and manipulations of other people. So I'm going to go with the idea. I'm not going to try and argue you out of your perspective. I'm going to go with the idea that you're completely and totally right. Does that sound reasonable?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> sure it does. Right?
1: <laughs> Nobody likes, nobody's going to dislike it when I agree with them, right? Of course not. Of course not. Now... What percentage of people do you, think? because you said most, and I wasn't sure if you meant most or if you actually meant all, but you were just trying to, to be semi-reasonable. You said trying most. To be semi, yeah.
2: Trying to be semi-reasonable, but yeah, most, if not all.
1: Okay, so if you can give me your gut sense of what percentage of people fall into these categories that you talk about. Um, 99.9%. 99.9%, okay. Now, can I assume that you are not one of these people?
2: Um, on sometimes I feel like it, sometimes I don't, but most on the whole, I don't think that I'm that bad. I I think that I've, I've pretty much, uh, I think that I'm just reacting to all the other idiots out there and that more or less, I'm, 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 I don't think I'm the bad guy. So yes, I'd say that 1% would probably be me.
1: Well, and even if you are a quote, bad guy, there's no such thing as badness. So the, the, the label wouldn't apply it, right?
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: Other people will say good and bad and right and wrong, but they're just trying to exploit you, right? Yeah. Right, so uh, what I mean is that when you call 99.9% of the people stupid, you don't include yourself in that category, right? Yeah, definitely. You think you're smart? Yes. I think you're smart too, right? So (laughs) hopefully I'm not in that 0.1%, but we'll find out if I am or not, right? Now, have somebody else sort of face to face or person to person that you would consider not in that 99.9%. Have I met anyone who I don't think is in that 99.9%? Right. Have you met any have you ever met anyone
0: face to face that you think is as smart as you are? No. I think that uh, that's a very honest answer, which is good. Not
1: that you have to be honest, because there's no such thing as right and wrong, but I appreciate it nonetheless. I appreciate you throwing <laughs> the crumbs. Okay, so you are the smartest person in the world, and I am perfectly, perfectly willing to go with that as a premise. Okay. Well, just I mean, that is your belief, right? That you're the smartest person in the world, that you've met.
0: Probably, yeah.
2: I mean, perhaps not in quantitative knowledge, but in quality of knowledge, Yes.
1: Well, in terms of seeing, in terms of lifting this hypocritical fog that covers up the actual predations of society, you and maybe Nietzsche are pretty much down with it, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see, I don't. I think that you're kind of being polite to me, which I was not expecting, which is nice. But but don't, right? <laughs> like, right. I want you to to unfurl the full glory of your own perception of yourself, right? So. I genuinely think and feel, and you may be right, I genuinely think and feel that you think and feel that you're the smartest person around, right? Yeah. So, don't give me any false modesty. That, that's all I'm asking. Like, just go for it, right. right? Be as big as you think you are. Okay. Does that seem reasonable? You don't yeah. have to spend my feelings. Like, I'm not going to get offended, right? Because I think that you are very smart, so I've got no problem with that as, a, as, a, as an approach. Okay. So, do you think that you're the smartest
0: person around? Yes.
1: Completely? Yes. Fantastic. Okay, that's great. That's great. Let's go with the belief that you are in fact the smartest person around.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Now, would we accept that you're smart because you accurately process reality? Yes.
0: Because right, you think
1: that you see through the fogs and manipulations of society to the core of exploitation, right? Definitely. So you're not fooled in the war of words. You're not fooled when people kick the sand of abstractions into your face. You see all through that to what they're actually doing, right? Yeah. So Definitely. you you pass the Platonic illusion and straight to the core and the reality, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now...
1: Would you say that if it could be proven that there were areas where you were not accurately perceiving reality, that it would be worth adapting your considerable intelligence to take that into account?
2: Yes, though I don't believe there are,
1: sure. No, no, I'm I'm not saying there are, I'm just saying if, (laughs) magically, these things could be created, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay, now... When you judge humanity according to a standard, do you believe that that standard exists completely independently of humanity's capacities? And what I mean by that is, let's say that you are able to live to be 200 years old. Is it reasonable to say that other people are sickly because they only get to live to be 100 years old?
2: I would say they're doing something wrong, so yeah, I guess there's would be, there would be something wrong because if I'm living to 200 and they're only living to 100, they're obviously doing something wrong. Okay. Now, what if you get to live
1: to 100, but other people only get to live to 90? Would you say that they're sickly, or would you say that, um, uh, that they just didn't quite have the lucky genes or whatever, they didn't get hit by a bus or something?
2: Um... I... <sighs> I honestly – I mean people can be – can can still be careful and stuff like that. So if, if I live to be 100 and everybody else only lives to 90, again, I, I still think there's something wrong with them because they're obviously not being observant enough or taking in the knowledge enough in order to get – To live that long, I I mean, there is a certain amount of compensation. Yeah, maybe a few of them don't have the right amount of genes in order to last as long as I could. But, you know, on the whole, if everybody is going down to 90, then probably, you know, there's something wrong there. Okay, got it. Now, let's say that you are the
1: tallest man in the world. You are, I don't know, whatever it is, 8 feet 5 (laughs) or some nonsense, right? You are the Mm -hmm. tallest man in the world. Is it fair to say that everyone else is short?
2: Well, I guess they'd have to be. I mean, they'd have to be short, because I'm tall. If I'm tall, then they're short. So, yeah, they're, they're,
1: they're all short. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So, for you, you do not derive the concept of an average height from an average, but rather only relative to your own height, right? Exactly. So everyone else is shorter, sorry, everyone else is not just shorter, but short, because you are the standard of height, and anyone who doesn't reach your standard of height is short, right? Yes. Do you think that a short person is responsible
0: for being short? Hmm...
2: Well, as a matter of genetics, I don't think they're responsible for being short. If it's genetic, then probably they just have weak genetics, and genes don't have I don't know, IQs or anything, so I don't think it's possible for them to be completely responsible for uh, being short, no. Okay, so that's great. So short is a
1: physical limitation based on genes, right?
0: Yes. Right.
1: Now... So, so in a sense, they're not short and responsible for being short. They're shorter than you, right? Yes. Okay, great. Now, if everyone but you is less intelligent than you, do you believe that they have the capacity to be as intelligent as you, or do they not have that capacity to be as intelligent
2: as you? I believe they have the capacity, but in a way that... They refuse to have i uh, uh, that or they they're they're just too weak or too easily uh so I guess in a way they they really don't but i i mean there's there's the ability, but that ability is not applied, so I don't think that they have really the the true ability to 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 achieve that no okay here's the core question:
1: How do you know they have this ability
2: well uh, uh, sometimes i've seen I've seen people who um actually are um starting to make strides away from uh from the others and they're starting to look at the at, at the world a little bit differently and but then they sink right back into the same sinkholes and they don't seem to ever evolve i guess mentally and their or in their thinking
1: right so this is like saying a short man can jump up but then he goes back down right yes but you can't blame him for going back down cuz he's short right yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: so um, what I'm saying is that you have a thesis that you're the smartest guy in the world, and other people could be as smart as you are, but they just choose not to. And I'm asking, what's the evidence, right? Because if I say I'm eight foot five, and anybody who wants to be eight foot five can be eight foot five, but people just choose to say at five foot ten. I would need to provide some evidence for that, right? I mean, you you don't want to be bigoted. You don't want to just have opinions that you just have, right? You want to have evidence, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's the evidence that your standard called everyone but you is stupid? What is the evidence that they're capable of not being stupid? Because, I'm sorry, just just to, just to make this clear, if they can't not be stupid, they can't be stupid, right? Yeah. Because that's just an unjust measure, right? That's like calling anyone who's not 20 feet tall short. Well, they can't be 20 feet tall, so you can't call them short. Compared to what, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Hmm. what's the
1: evidence? Now, evidence that I would accept, and I think you would consider reasonable evidence too, evidence that I would accept would be something like well, I have been able to take somebody from stupid to
0: intelligent. Their
2: ability to. Perceptively see the uh, the flaws in society to a point where I have been able to see them and be able to understand them and expound upon them and act upon them as well as I have. They have
1: not been able to do that.
2: No, I I right. I, I mean,
1: so that s- they're deficient. If no one has been able to do it, how is it that they're deficient? If it's important, like, what's the evidence that it's even possible for them to do it? Uh, huh. and, and the reason that I bring this up is that earlier your, I don't know, friend had said that what he hated was unjust standards that could never be achieved, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, you don't want to be that guy. I mean, you may be the smartest guy in the world, and I'm totally happy with that. You may have seen to the core of society, but you don't want to be the guy who sets up unjust standards, like the titanic prick god who sets up unjust standards and then uses them to lacerate everyone else, right? When they're unjust standards. Let's have just standards, absolutely, and fault people for not, fi- not achieving them.
2: That's but very clever, Molly. <laughs> said that's very clever, Molly. That's very clever. <laughs> you
1: know, every now and then I can pull at least one rabbit out of my ass. Let's put it down. <laughs> and I'm just rooting around to see if there are any more up there. So yeah, I'm, I might just get carrot and, and play, uh, play come getseed. But... Um, Right, but but you don't want to be that guy, right? You don't want to be that guy who comes up with these unjust standards and then just beats the hell out of everyone for failing to achieve them, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because that's not going to make you happy, right? Right, right. Also, if it is possible for people to achieve that what you to achieve what you achieve, it's not going to work. To like, okay, let me let me let me back up for a second. When you were a kid, did it motivate you? To be called stupid and weak? (laughs) No, no, not at all. Did Did it make you want to grow? Did it make you want to launch yourself into space this way?
2: No, not at all.
1: Right, so clearly you have a standard which you don't have, and we can continue to examine it, but you have a standard for people that you don't have any evidence that they can achieve. So, so far it seems to be an unjust standard. And you're also using language that actively bars people from achieving the standard that you th- say they should by calling them stupid and weak and manipulative and blah, 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 right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it would seem to me that your goal is not to have people meet your standard, right?
2: Hmm. I, I guess that, that could possibly be my goal, though. I, I, I don't... Though I don't think uh, I, I'm, I'm. It's not that they can. I think that they just aren't reaching it or or can't. Not that I don't want them to. I just don't think they're able to do it. But yeah,
1: yeah. Well, but if you have a standard that you believe that people can achieve, and then you kind of, it's kind of abusive to call people stupid and weak, right? Because yeah. if they are in fact stupid and weak, it's kind of abusive to call them that because they can't be any different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, They can't be any different. If If someone can't be any different, you can't abuse them for who they are. You can't have a standard that is different from who they are, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If they yeah. can achieve something, then you, I think, have the right to say there's a higher standard that you should achieve. But then, if you want to rationally help them achieve that standard, you should encourage them, right? Yeah. But if you have a standard that just about nobody can achieve except you, who achieved it innately, right? You didn't, I mean, (laughs) we'll get to that in a sec, right? You're just born this way, right? Yeah. But if you stand it out there that other people can't achieve, it's unjust to call them stupid and weak. If they can achieve it, then calling them stupid and weak is abusive, right?
2: Yeah. I guess it is.
1: Well, Tell me if it's not. I don't want to railroad you. God knows, you know, and you're going to haunt my dreams and get me in my sleep or something. Right? So uh, I want to make sure that, uh, that we, we are trying to, because what I'm trying to do is, is give you, because what I really get, Mr. Nihil, from your conversation is a staggering yeah. amount of frustration. I think yeah. that you are by far the most idealistic aspect of this personality i think that you see a world that is a complete and total paradise with no gods and no governments and no exploitation and i think it drives you completely mad that you can't get there wow how did you uh, yeah
2: yeah that's okay
1: that world don't you just dying to get to that world but every time you try to create it you scare everyone off right oh yeah definitely that's that's like mad crazy frustrating right yeah, So I'd like to give you the opportunity to to sort of come out of the cave without everybody running screaming, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you, can, you can actually start to work to create this world because you love this world in your heart of hearts and you desperately want people to be smarter and you desperately want people to be better and you desperately want people to wake up. You are by far the most optimistic and idealistic aspect of this personality, in my opinion. Huh. Hmm. Because nihilism comes from disappointed hopes. It's sour grapes. I want this beautiful world. I'm never going to get it, so I'm going to damn the world that is, right?
2: Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I would like to
1: give you some ways to help achieve this world so that you don't feel frustration and lash out at the world because you can't help it in the way you want
2: to. Okay.
1: Like if you've got a doctor and you've got a cure for cancer and every time you try and give people the pill, they bite you on the hand, that gets mighty frustrating after a while, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you do see, you do see very deeply into the core of society and you do see a lot of the lies. But you don't know how to liberate people from those lies. And so you get really frustrated and you feel like people are just stupid and reject you all the time, right? yeah yeah right right and that's because you grew up in an environment where ideals were used to abuse people right yeah yeah where ideals were unattainable and the failure to attain these impossible ideals resulted in abuse right yeah and you see in a way with all the best intentions on the planet and in the world you see how that is the situation you are creating for others now impossible ideals that you rage at them for not meeting
2: Yeah, it is a little bit clearer, yeah.
1: And the reason that the ideals are impossible to meet is because you rage at them.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. These ideals, people will never meet, so they're completely stupid. But the moment you call them stupid, they no longer want to meet your ideals. Do you see how it's the same thing?
0: It's not a cause and effect, right? Right, right. Right. Hmm. Hmm.
1: And you, I think, so desperately want this beautiful world to come into being that if I could give you some clues or some tips on how to work from a place of positivity and actually begin to achieve what it is that you so desperately want, that would be a whole lot better than sitting there in the bitter corner throwing nanchucks at the planet, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Like be... Be... You don't want to be the cranky, bitter-ass old guy on the lawn saying, ah, kids, get off my lawn. Right? You don't want to be that scary Boo Radley character, right? You want to be somebody who can actually work to achieve the kind of beauty that you see in your heart of hearts as possible in
0: the world, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Definitely.
1: So the first thing that you've got to do in my humble opinion, and I do think that you are an incredibly intelligent aspect of the personality and an incredibly idealistic, one, the first thing that you have to do is start rejecting people, because I genuinely believe that in your world, everyone but you is corrupt and possibly yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah. So what you've got to do is change your world, right? yeah. So that you can start interacting with people who might actually listen. Because I believe that you're totally right. Nobody around you listens to you. You are a freak relative to everyone else, right? I totally, I believe that that is true. I don't think you're crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, that's become something that you're so used to, you don't look for anything else, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: And the other thing that's true is that if you fall prey to the temptation to lash out at people for failing to meet your ideals you will only end up with insecure and manipulative people around you because nobody with any real self-esteem who's capable of listening to the brilliance that you have, nobody will want to be sitting around being called stupid and weak, right? Yeah. So you're actually driving away the kind of people that you most want to meet, right? Huh. Yeah, I guess I am. And you're trapping yourself in this underworld of other people who are also angry or bitter or weak or destructive, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's kind of driving you a little crazy, and I don't know that you see a way out of that, other than more anger and more frustration, which is only going to make it worse, right?
2: Yeah. Definitely. So, it's kind of. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's more kind of like, well, if you can't fix it, then, uh, you know, just, Go out in a blaze.
1: <laughs> right, but your desire to go out in a blaze is why you can't fix it.
0: Hmm. Right?
1: Yeah. Right, yeah. because you, you you both believe that the world can be an amazingly better place, and you at the same time completely despair that it can come about. So it's a tortuous situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I got, and I'm just going to read you back a few of the things that, that I mentioned, right? Okay. People will... Um, you know, they'll 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 lie to your face to exploit you. They'll pretend to be positive so that they can take things from you, right? People will befriend you because they <laughs> want to show that they're not racist, which is completely racist, right? Yeah. Um, you know, people uh, they claim that they want intimacy, but they just want someone to cling to because of their own stupidity and weakness, and that you have, um, you have protected the most important thing to you, which is you don't give out a sense of trust and belief in yourself, right? Yeah. And That kind of world, which is full of exploitive predators, is what a psychologist would call projection, right? Which is that if you go around using your incredible intelligence not to help educate the world, but to damn it and abuse it, Mm -hmm. you're actually a predator, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so a predator is going to see predators everywhere, right? And is actually going to feel uncomfortable putting down his weapons, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you have this amazing ability and I believe that you do and if you have this this deep seeing far reaching all powerful intellect which I think is an amazing aspect of you mm. if you are somebody who can heal others with the touch of his hand right then <laughs> punching is not really a good use of your powers right
2: Right right
0: Right
1: we have to work with the world as it is if we want to be rational and empirical, right? Right.
0: Right. If
1: if there's no soap in the world, telling people to wash their hands isn't going to make any sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Then we. Yeah. So we have to work with the world as it is in order to improve it. We have to accept the world as it is. And what that means is that I don't think that we can impose artificial standards on the world and damn everyone for not meeting them, right? Right. Mm. That's what Christians do. See, Christ, I mean, we can go into a million hours, which we won't, about what Christians do. <laughs> you have to accept Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Well, what about Socrates, who never knew Jesus? Or what about some guy in, in uh, Pygmy in Borneo who's never even heard of, of God? Or, right? It's, it's not reasonable to have that standard, right? right. To right. damn people to hell for things beyond their control is a Christian approach, right?
0: Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You don't want to be that guy, right?
2: No, <laughs> not in the slightest.
1: Okay, so let me just break the role play here, and I just wanted to 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 get a sense of of what you got from that, or how you feel at the moment. Um,
2: uh, I'm kind of feeling more like I should think about, it. <laughs> I should ponder more. Um, That's uh, <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling better. Um I'm feeling less uh tense. Um and uh a, l- a little more um feeling a little more relaxed, less um I guess you could say angry.
1: Yeah, I mean Mr. Niall actually doesn't want to hurt people. He wants to help people, right? He's
0: just frustrated.
2: Yeah. For the most part it seems like that. Yeah.
0: Definitely, more more or less.
2: I guess he he was more or less just frustrated with society as a whole, and that I guess, like you said, kind of turned into this uh, uh, sadistic attacking because he had – because no one would listen. So if they won't listen, then that, you know, and might he as well
1: just you know, do right. He did. He didn't have another approach, right?
2: Yeah. Right. Right.
1: No and that, that is tough, for sure, I mean, when we desperately want something and every time we try to achieve it, we make it worse, that is just a tortuous situation to be in right
0: right
2: definitely
1: and that's where that's where that's <laughs> where the majority of nihilism comes from is a desperate kind of idealism that is so frustrated that it turns into it turns rancid right
2: yeah, yeah extremely. Just like
1: a guy who desperately wants to go out with some woman, but every time he approaches her, he scares her off. At some point, he's just going to start hating her, right? Because he's so frustrated. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and so, the, just so you understand, right, the methodology that I try to use in these internal Socratic debates, or as I call it, the RTR with yourself or with the Miko system, mm-hmm. is that he's got totally valid points, but there's a logical flaw somewhere. Okay. Right. And right. and this is part of the engaging with yourself is to accept that he has something valuable to bring to the table because if you just reject him, he's just mm-hmm. going to get mad, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that wasn't working for you, right? That wasn't working. No. For get up and rejecting him because he just got mad right?
2: Yeah, a lot more angry. Yeah.
1: So That is a situation where there's no so you you have to take the opposite approach, right? If what you're doing is heading you like if you if you want to go north and every time you hit the gas you go south, you gotta turn the car around, right? You've got to do the opposite. Yeah. So instead of rejecting that which frightens you, you have to accept and negotiate with that which frightens you and give it respect, right? Right. Because like anyone, if you listen to them with respect, then they will actually tell you what's on their mind and it de escalates the tension quite a bit, right?
0: Right. Right. And
1: I've done this I mean I have my own nihilist, right? Yeah. <laughs> who's not, <laughs> but who's but who's very helpful because this guy can spot bullshit six million miles away through lead, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you Definitely. need him right? Yeah. He's your early warning system. He's your guy who's like, okay, this person's full of bullshit, let's go elsewhere, right? Yeah. But but what you've had him do is like this person's full of bullshit, so let's attack him, right? <laughs> or if no one's yeah. around ourselves, <laughs> right?
0: Right, right.
1: But if you listen to him and allow him to help you steer clear of people who are dangerous or destructive or a waste of your considerable talents and energies, then he
0: will be happy. He will be satisfied, right? Right. Right. Yeah. You sound full of (laughs) doubt. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, no, it's... I'm just kind of pondering at the same time uh, about a lot of uh, a lot of things that a lot of relationships that I, that the reason why I, I tried to to contact you about this is just because there are a lot of relationships and things in my life right now that I could either go one way or another, and um um just uh it it was just I I guess it's like well yeah I guess I I need to use him in that way but. He, i guess he he was so used to attacking people he almost got a liking to it i mean because there are some people who uh, i'll give you an example uh, a gentleman that i that i go to uh uh work with um he's into this whole punk music thing and uh there's like these clubs where you know i'm gonna meet more people like my last like this last girlfriend i had that was only into me because I could get her booze and stuff so um but he he's kind of it's it's kind of Wants me to go hang out with him there, and he and a lot of other people like to drink and smoke a lot, and I tried to quit smoking, and I, I pretty much quit it for, for a long time and all that other stuff. But it seemed like Neil actually wanted to go there just to feel better about um, those types of uh, – I guess about that situation, that, that kind of self-destruction
1: and attack. So uh, – Sorry to interrupt, but he's totally going to want to get his hate on from time to time, right? That's that's <laughs> right. You remember yeah. this thing about Simon the Boxer in RTR?
2: Uh I haven't. I haven't gotten. That. I got to like. I'm in like 76 pages
1: up in RTR. Okay. So. Well just, when you when you get to the Simon the Boxer thing, right? Substitute anger at the world for boxing, and this hope, hopefully will make some sense, right? So. Because he's, he's full of anger and frustration, when you take away that which frustrates him, he's going to go in search of it, because that's what he does. He processes anger and frustration. He expresses anger and frustration. Now, he wants to be as free of that as you do, but he's a little bit addicted to it, right? So he's going to draw yeah. you into that place where people are going to be shallow and hypocritical and bad so that he can rage against them, right? But you're going to have to say to him, look, we want to change the world, or we want to help affect the world in a more positive way. So picking like you don't want to be that guy who says... The world is bad, and so I'm only going to hang around with bad people to justify my belief, right? Because that's not empirical, and that's not reasonable, right? Right. In fact, I'm going to want to try and find the exact opposite of my core premise to see if it's true, if it holds true or not,
0: right? Right, right. Definitely.
1: Yeah, you've got to watch that. You, you can rationally evaluate and judge this kind of stuff, too, and you can also talk about, like, what feeling is it that occurs for you. So when you consider going to this, this punk guys or the smoker guys or the drinker guys or whatever, what is the feeling that is associated with that? Is it happiness? Is it eagerness? Is it optimism? Or is it kind of a little darker? It's darker,
2: definitely darker.
1: Right. So it's that's t- the feeling that you were you, you at least your early warning system is working. And that's a good thing, right? You're not driving yeah. without headlights, Right. So that feeling that occurs for you that is familiar and dark and a little sick and so on, right? Well, that's kind of a warning, right? Right, right. Now, can you tell me what you were feeling before you and I talked on the on, on this call?
2: Um, well, I had had a talk with Nihil earlier, and I was feeling kind of nervous um, because his talk with me was, now I'm going to show you how this new guy you've gotten interested in is uh, completely full of shit. <laughs> And I was like, "I hope not." <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there was kind of that nervousness, not knowing what was going right, to happen
1: i don't I don't think at least I don't get the sense based on just our cursory exchanges before the conversation. I didn't get the sense like I got the sense that you were nervous, and I got the sense that there was a little bit of excitement and there was some fear, but I didn't get the sense like um, you were coming in to to uh, to uh, to fulfill all of your prior. Uh, beliefs and so on. Like it wasn't, I didn't get the sense that you felt like you were heading to a dark place, but to an uncertain place.
2: Yeah, it was, it was definitely uncertain. That was the whole thing. I mean, my, my, my main idea was that I really wanted there to be an answer. I wanted there to be some, some way for me to reason out my thoughts and that this, this just couldn't, uh, that, that there, I'm, I'm looking for more positive answers to, um, instead of living in this more destructive nature and, um, I guess the, 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 I guess the war inside was more of, you know, I'm looking for this, I'm hopeful like this, but I do this a lot, but, you know, the, and I was like, I'm hoping that, you know, the, when we speak that knee <sighs> hill, so to speak, would be less, uh, would, would, I guess not be, I guess not come out the same, I guess, come out the same destructive same anger same angst i was yeah i was so sort of genuinely looking for something that would help me uh um perceive or help my perception so that i could um i guess overall have a more healthy outlook on on, on life so but right yeah. and that feeling that you had
1: before talking to me is not the same as the feeling you have when contemplating going out with the smoking drinking punk guys right
2: you're right right right,
1: right. So, so you have some indication from your emotional apparatus about that which is horrible but familiar and that which is, in a sense, horrible but unfamiliar, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a difference there that's really important for you to take note of. Okay,
0: yeah. yeah. And as
1: and far as your, your, expectations your expectations of the call relative to the call, call. Uh, do you feel that at least some of the, uh, the hopes are objectives? Now, again, there's, no, there's no, it's not like, you know, hey, look, we talked for half an hour, or whatever, right, everything's fine. right you have to keep up this process of self-negotiation and don't piss off mr Nihil, right so don't let him out with me and then repress and ignore him from now on because he'll get even more pissed off right so now that you've opened the door uh you really have to i think uh, take on the responsibility of engaging with him and listening to him and uh, giving him respect uh, but also being firm with him when he goes off on a tangent or is doing something or saying something uh, that's irrational. So I, I, don't, I don't promise or pretend any kind of quick fixes. fixes. This is the beginning of a long process. Yeah. But relative to your expectations of how the call was going to go, uh, how did you find that the call uh, actually went?
2: Much better than my expectations. Much better than my expectations. And a lot different than, yeah, just a lot different than what I expected.
1: The darkest parts of ourselves are actually not that scary when we listen to them. When we fight them and we put them down, then they are, uh, you know, what happens is we get into this vicious cycle. So we try to control ourselves, and then uh, ourselves rebel, and then we feel that, my God, they're rebelling. I have to control them more. This is statism, right? This is, this is the fundamental yeah. uh, premise of the government, right? And yeah. religion, right, that we're evil and we have to be controlled. The more that we control those aspects of ourselves, the darker and more hostile they become, and therefore the more we feel. But if you listen uh, in a sort of uh, open and respectful manner, which doesn't mean really you agree with everything then mm. the unconscious no longer becomes this big scary demon, right? It becomes like a Keebler elf that wants to help us. You know, it's sort of ridiculous, <laughs> but that's not the way that it works. So. Right, right. But I'm calling Mr. Niall the Keebler Elf. Don't haunt my dreams, Mr. Niall <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, well listen, let me uh, let me stop here if that's all right with you. I'm okay. going to send you a copy of this recording. I personally think this would be enormously helpful for other people to hear, and I've studiously avoided name and, and your name and so on. Uh, but okay. uh, have a listen to it and uh, and let me know what you think.
2: Okay. Um, how how do I? Um, where where would I check for it, or how do
0: I do that?
1: Just um, uh, uh, send me an email. Okay. Uh, it's on the board, and I will return to you a link that you can download and listen to it, and then if you can let me know if i can release it or if not what parts need to be edited i'd really appreciate that okay okay well, thanks i really do appreciate it and thanks for doing the role play which i know can be a bit freaky but uh, you did a great job all
2: right yeah and uh, thank you i really i
0: really appreciate it hey you're welcome i'll talk to you soon all right Bye. <laughs>